Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to Hey, Great Shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Crack Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. If it's a Monday, you know what we're doing on this podcast feed. Another fantastic episode recapping the past week of ATP Challenger action with hosts Damian Kust and Diaka Barbaro on this week's show. They discuss the maiden Challenger title run of Dmitry Popko. They discuss the fascinating forehand of Talon Greek Spore. They explain why the upcoming South American Challenger stretch offers prime opportunities for ranking jumps and so much more it is a fantastic episode that i know all of you listeners are going to enjoy of course a quick reminder if you've missed any of damien's work for our website crackrackets.com he's written about the rise of 19 year old yuri lachetchka he's written about the many talented young checks on tour the young argentinians finding success on the challenger tour he and i actually recorded a podcast episode last week naming our most interesting challenger players to watch down the season's home stretch so again if you're looking for more damien content you can find that on this podcast feed and on our website crackrackets.com but enough of that you came to hear what happened last week on the atp challenger tour so without further ado let's get to today's episode with host damien Kust and Yakababra. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Hello, welcome to the next episode of the Challenger Tour podcast. Uh, I am once again joined by my friend Jakub, who actually, well, I had a chance to tie the, the the winner predictions competition this week. Yes. It was very tight. Uh, Carbaez by now is actually the, the favorite for the finals, but well, yeah, but uh, there's still a lot of time for me to to get back at you, right? Yeah, I, I have broken the the ten uh, point barrier though now. It's it's ten to eight, right? Um, so I'm very happy about that. Of course, the the percentage of tournaments that we've predicted overall, I'm sure it's horrendous. I'm not talking about <laughs> it. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah. But yeah, to, to, to get the ten correct winners, I'm quite proud of myself. I'm quite happy with that. I hope um, I'm going to get to 10 as well before the season ends. <laughs> where, where do we start this week? <laughs> uh, let's, let's, let's start with, with uh, Orlean. That was the biggest tournament this week. Uh, Challenger 125. But we had, I would say, pretty much a surprising winner. Uh, Henri Laksanen uh, beat Dennis Novak 6-1-2-6-6-2 in the final. His sixth Challenger title. Um, that helps him re-enter the top 100. 
at number 98 as he goes up 20 spots. It was it was an interesting run where he beat Zizou Bergs, then he beat uh, Benjamin Bonzi, who finally runs out of, <laughs> of fuel uh, there. He, he beats uh, Holger Rune and then Yiji Vesely, which I actually was kind of surprised that he beat Vesely. Um, and he didn't drop, drop a single set until the final. So a very impressive week from Arnie Laksanen that I didn't really see coming. What did you think of him? Yeah, he. I think he lost serve just four times, and that includes to twice in the in the second set of the final. Um, I don't know. I mean, like Sonnen is always one of the players which you just you know you're sure they're gonna be there on the Challenger Tour or I don't know in in the qualities of an ATP 250. But I don't know. I I just never really you know, give a second look to him. Like he, he when I started watching the Challenger Tour, when I started watching the lower levels of tennis, he was always there, and maybe that makes him maybe that makes me underestimate him. I guess. But yeah, he was fantastic. The, the, the match against Bonzi was extremely high quality. Uh, but did Bonzi run, run out of fuel? I don't know. <laughs> We're going to see next week, I guess. But mm. when he, he, he definitely snapped his 21 win streak, which was, yes, which was crazy. Well, I mean, I mean but, but Bonzi also lost the week before in, in Nur Sultan to, to Rusuvori, which I mean, yeah, they, they're, they're not horrible losses. So you, it, it's tough to say. Yeah, but he, he retired after the first set against Rusevori. Oh, yeah, so actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he did. It was six two, and then he retired, and that was after he played fifteen matches in in three weeks. Yeah, so, <laughs> fair yeah. enough. There, very he, understandable. He a bit of a rest now, and, and and he doesn't really have to travel far. He's staying within France, so yep, um, should be should be pretty good for him there. Uh, yeah, Laksan, I, I was kind of surprised. Uh, I actually expected Denis Novak to beat him in the final, maybe, because I, mm. I, I think of Novak as more of an indoor hard guy as opposed to Laksan. And uh, Novak had, had, a, had a really nice run, beat Gregor Barrier, Quentin Alice, Ruben Bemelmans, and Corentin Moutet. The first three were actually, they had, they had very nice symmetrical, <laughs> identical set scores. Um, <laughs> Even down to in the match against Bemelmans, it was the same tiebreak score as well in both sets. So it was just pleasant to look at his little run. Uh, and then he he had a great battle with Mute in the semifinals, which which might have taken it out of him for the final. Uh, it's tough to say, but but that was yeah six four in the third. Uh, so yeah, any, any thoughts on David on Denis Novak this week? Yeah, I I didn't actually get to watch that much tennis Novak this week. I feel like I I watched the semis and the finals. I feel, um, mm. yeah, the, the 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 semis was just a crazy match. And honestly, whatever Corentin Mutai plays is gets so wild. <laughs> it, it it was fun to have this guy on 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 the Challenger Tour again because I feel like he, yeah, I checked that he he didn't play in 2020 and that was his first Challenger of 2021. He's probably mm. going to be forced to play some more. In, in the future, maybe maybe in 2022, and it yeah. was super fun to have him because, well, the, every single match he plays is like a journey. Like you're not you're not just watching a tennis match. Uh, was it against Safiulin? Yes, against Safiulin that he hit this backwards, uh, like no look serve, which is just crazy. <laughs> oh, yes, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then against Denis Novak, he also injured himself while kicking a ball into the air. So basically, when you when you're watching a current Mutem match, you know you're not gonna be bored. 
you know there's gonna be some crazy stuff happening and there definitely was this week yeah i mean he's he's very much a a, a showman and i hope that we get to see a bit more of him on the challengers uh some other stuff to mention uh Hugo Grenier had a, had a quite nice run to the quarterfinals as a lucky loser uh where he beat Fernando Vetasco and Artur Rindrekneich um I've also noted down that the doubles was actually won by Pierre Ugerbeer, of course, <laughs> unsurprisingly, despite the fact that he went out in the second round in singles, he won alongside uh, Olivetti. So he, he's he's got his points there at the very least. Uh, anything else from from Orlean? Yeah, I guess we should say we should just you know briefly mention Ugo Umber, who was the you know yes. ATP twenty six and played here and lost in the first round. But as we mentioned <laughs> on the uh, on the pod last week, uh, Quentin Alice is a brutal draw when you're trying to regain your confidence. And well, the losing the first set tiebreak tw- 12 to 14 was obviously a hu- huge blow. It also makes uh, that uh, the four top 50 players entered uh, a challenger event this year and none actually won it, none even progressed past the quarterfinals. <laughs> So if you, you know, if you're thinking that uh, an ATP 25 could just win every single challenger he plays, well, not really. Obviously, you know when when someone this high ranked enters the challenger, they're usually looking for for some confidence, or I don't know, just 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 haven't been doing well recently. But Umber well didn't didn't find what he wanted in 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 Orleans, so. Yeah, I mean, it, it sort of cons- confirms the theory. The Challenger Tour is the actual better tour than the ATP Tour. I mean, it's Ooh. very clear. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm being sort of facetious. Uh, but, but, but it's quite interesting to see these guys try to drop down a level and come there and see that it's actually not really dropping down a level. It's, it's, it's almost the same level, uh, even with, 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 with almost an added uh, component in that you're fighting for your livelihood there since the, these guys who play challengers regularly don't really make that much money, uh, unfortunately. So, so, so you have these guys who are more motivated than anything that, that you get on the ATP tour, and it's very hard to try and regain your confidence on, on the, on the uh, challenger tour. I mean, Yeah, if, even this week, I mean, Vesali Gasquet or Rune Laksonen, these are matches yeah. which you would usually get uh, at a 250. Obviously, Orleans is, the, is one of the highest category challengers, but you know, the the field the fields are amazing. The level is great, and uh, you also mentioned Rinderneck. Uh, I guess I wasn't really that surprised of him about him losing to Granier because I watched the I actually didn't see it, but I watched the first his first match against Antoine Ong, and mm. I don't know, Rinderneck just hasn't looked that great in recent weeks. Which is very surprising to me because from the beginning of the season I was saying like, okay, Rinderneck is playing well on clay now, but let's wait until he went, until he goes indoors. Yeah. yeah, and it, it does. It's not looking that bright. I don't know if it's just his his level that sort of dropped, or maybe it's that extra time to set up the strokes. I guess we shall just see. Obviously, that the serve should be working a lot better indoors than it was on clay but he, he actually has a, a spectacular kick so maybe you know maybe maybe it's actually going to be clay that's going to be uh you know the the the, the, the surface that he gets the most success yeah you, you 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 never really know it, it's so many of these guys that end up breaking through on, on a different um 
uh, surface than you expect them. Uh, do you want to move on to Sibiu? Yep. Sure. So there we had Stefano Travaglia, top seed, the uh, seventh seed, Tanasi Kokinakis, just after we wrote him off. Uh, yeah. uh, 7-6-6-2 in the final, his fifth challenger title uh, in his career. He goes up eight spots to number 89, so tries to stick in that top 100 there. Mm. Um, he, 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 he had an odd route where he beat uh, Rosso and Bondarevsky in, sets, in straight sets. Uh, then he had to save two match points against Daniel Kovac. Uh, in the quarterfinals, in 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 the uh, I think it was five six down in the third and Kovac yep. to, to yeah he was serving to stay there. in it yeah and then he um, he, he beat uh, Sumit Nagal uh, like six love love six six four or something no sorry it's six four love six six love uh, which is I, I it's always fascinating to me when a player gets bageled and then bagels his opponent back it's like one of the Weirdest phenomenons that I think that you can really see in tennis. And we saw it twice this week, uh, or, or at least twice that I, that I noticed. Um, yeah, Kokinakis had, I, I, I thought Kokinakis might actually win it. He, he had a more dominant run to the final, really didn't drop a set, beat Marter, Kirkin, Molchan, and Hisler. And like most of his performances were quite dominant. He, he only dropped three games against Mark Andre Hisler. Um, so yeah, what did you think of Travaglia, Kokinakis and Sibiu in, in general this week? Yeah, as, as you said, we kind of wrote of Kokinakis as more of a quarter-finalist than, than a champion this year. <laughs> and I, I remember just thinking before the second round, hmm, Kirkin is playing well right now. Maybe he can get Kokinakis. Then before the quarters, I was like, yeah, Molchan, he's in such good form. And then in the semis, I was like, yeah, Huesler is a defending champion. He, he should be able to get to Kokinakis. Yeah, and he really wasn't. I don't know. Uh, you know, because Huesler won this last year, uh, Sibiu is not exactly on altitude, but it seems like it's playing pretty fast still compared to, to the other clay court events. So it's obviously, it obviously suited both Kokinakis and Huesler. Travalia too, I guess, but, but as you mentioned, he, has a, he had a very wild run. Obviously, Kokinakis just couldn't convert his breakpoints in the final because that was... Yeah six over three different games in in the first set and Travaglia had none so 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 after after losing that opener you know in in some very tight you know in a very tight situation his motivation definitely went down uh Travaglia also started getting some some nice depth on the return but generally nothing we wouldn't expect I mean Kokinakis is definitely still underranked even if we you know we kind of said that He's not exactly playing at the level that some people you know, think he should be uh, w- once he's healthy. But he's definitely someone that will still continue to, to progress through the ATP ranks. And for Travalia, this is the first title in challenger title in over two years. It's actually been a, like a very weird year for him because when, when I think of Stefano Travaglia in 2021, uh, I think, yeah... He made that final in in January or February in Melbourne before the before the Australian Open. So yeah, it's a great year. But when when you actually look at the results, like after that final, he's been quite awful most of most of the time. So it's also very important for his confidence. He's you know he's ranked like ninety seventh or something like that, and pretty much playing challengers for the past two or three weeks. He's also going to be in Naples, so. Uh, I, I I think it's really essential for him that that he won this. 
Uh, yeah, I also wanted to highlight Sumi Nagal. I mentioned him a bit earlier. His run to the semifinals, his best challenge result of the year, uh, second best result overall of the year. I think that he made a, a quarterfinal in Buenos Aires to, uh, in February or something. That was more, more points. Uh, but yeah, beat beat Midler, beat Lehechka, and beat, beat Blancano. Um, so yeah, very very nice, very nice one to see. Did you see any of Sumi Nagal this week? Uh, I watched him against the Hedgeka, I think. Yeah, I mean, I uh, before this week, I saw someone tweeting out the stats that Nagal hasn't had a, a semi-final or even a quarter-final at Challengers this year. Uh, it was quite surprising to see, honestly, because I, you know, the, the matches I watched of him were actually quite decent. Like, uh, I, I definitely saw him play Travalia at Szczecin, and it was a very okay-ish match. So 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 great to see Sumit Nagel actually, uh, you know, getting on some sort of a run because he's obviously talented enough to to be making it at this level. But he he's, his year really hasn't been great. Yeah. Uh yeah. Let's move on to Lima. Unless you have anything else from CPU. Um, probably not. Yeah. Uh yeah. So so Lima were fifth seed. Uh, Ugo Delian beat eighth seed. Camilo Ugo Carabelli. Uh, six three seven five, Dalian's sixth challenger title of the year. Kind of surprised me to be fair. I I I've sort of I, I felt like Dalian has had a kind of a poor year, even though he's he's had he's had a couple of runs. But I I really I I haven't picked him once this year, and I'm just not that I'm not had that confidence in him. Um, but yeah, so Dalian beat uh Hart, Mena, Kicker, and Nicholas. Uh, en route to that final before beating Ugo Karabeli. Um, dropped only one set there to, to Nicholas. What did you think of Ugo Delian? Yeah, just just as you said, I mean, I was also surprised to see Delian raise the title. Um, I, you know, there, there's no way of telling if Juan Manuel Serundola would have won it. He mm. he was 6-3-4-1 up in the quarters. Then actually it didn't seem like he was injured at that point. But he def- he was definitely injured by the point by the moment he he was down five four in the second, uh, you know could barely move against the Walker Valley. Uh, you know, as I said, I mean there, there there's no way of knowing what would have happened, and and by the finals I was I couldn't actually watch the final because I was I was moving yesterday, but uh, I I was definitely expecting Camilo Carabelli to to win it. Um, you know, he, he's a player that really impressed me in, in, back in Warsaw and then had a bit of a first title hangover, I guess, which which happens to a lot of players. But but but, but I definitely enjoyed seeing him go, go so deep again because he, he clearly has the talent. He's also on the brink of the of making Australian open qualities. Uh yeah, but Dalian, as you as you said, he just hasn't really had a great year. But he's that player who, you know, if he plays the Challenger Tour all year, and especially as now there are going to be like 10 more, 10, maybe I'm, uh, it's a hyperball, but, you know, there, there's going to be a lot more South American Challengers, like yeah. six or six or seven weeks. So so Dalian is one of the guys whom you, I guess you'd expect to win one. He He's a fantastic clay court player. Like he, his physicality, his... So he's just court coverage is is excellent, uh, and it's it's not really that surprising to see him, you know, to see him win, even though his year hasn't been great. 
Facundo Mena played him in the second round, who I thought had, had a very good chance at, at eliminating him because of how Mena did in Ambato or Cuito. But I guess I guess altitude clay would have been much better for the Argentinian. Uh, you know, a guy like Nicolas, for example, who, who reached the semis and qualified for this event, actually, he was playing great, but he didn't really have the weapons to hit through to hit through Dalian. I have no idea what happened in the final, as I said. So. Um, yeah, so, 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 so you, you mentioned Nicholas, a uh, very impressive run for him. Um, after qualifying, he beat Menendez Maceiras, Buccinelli de, de Almeida, and Olivo. And he's going to break the top 350 for the first time in his career at number 328. Uh, so that's very good for him. Also, uh, Gerald, Mel uh, uh, Gerald Meltzer made the semifinals as well, beating Fikovic, Roca Bataya, and uh, getting retirement from Esteve Loboto, and also won the doubles with uh, Julian Lenz. So it's a very good week for Meltzer. I think that he's getting close to the 500 ranking uh, in, in singles with this result. So um, hopefully he'll, he'll accumulate enough points to uh, play challengers even without the protected ranking once it, once it expires for him. Yeah, like so, so many players are actually going to be up in the rankings once they once the South American tour finishes, you know. Because mm -hmm. when we're, I, I'm not sure if it's the final calendar, probably not, but I think we have the calendar until the 15th of November, the, the week starting yes. 15th of November. Yeah, and every single week there's going to be at least one South American clay challenger. So it's such a good opportunity for, for all of these players to uh, to get a bit of a ranking jump. Yeah, I, I still assume that there's going to be maybe a couple more weeks after that because I, I think that the way that I remember it is like, like right mm -hmm. now it's only up until Bratislava just published, right? Bratislava uh, is the one week before uh, before the, the you know 15th. It's, it's like 9th oh, okay. or something. Maybe. Well, well, yeah, well, I, I reckon there's going to be one more because there's no Maya, uh, which usually finishes the season. So mm -hmm. I, I reckon there's going to be one more, but... Uh, you know, it's just guessing, so I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, let's go to Lisbon, where eighth seed Dmitry Popko won his first challenger title of his career, beating Andrea Pellegrino 6 2 6 4. Um, he goes up to number 164 in the rankings, his new career high of 23 spots, uh, beat Lorenzo Giustino. I actually got a retirement from Lorenzo Giustino, I believe, in the first round. That was a weird result. I think that he lost the first set 1-6 in his first challenger title run here. Uh, then beat Benjamin Hassan, Joao uh, Dominguez, and Uga Stone. What did you think of Popko? Yeah, against Dominguez, he, he had to save two match points, being down 6-7, 3-5. Uh, well, one of them, Dominguez had a very makeable lob, so he's gonna really be kicking him, <laughs> kicking himself for that. And the other one, he hit like a, I don't know if it was a miss hit, kind of looked like looked like that, but he hit a backhand down the line winner that just clipped the line. <laughs> just a crazy run because we we mentioned that the like a couple of weeks ago we talked about Dimitri Popko being close to a challenger title but always shooting himself in the foot <laughs> like whenever he got close he had that uh, terrible match against Dalibor Stina in Prague he had that choke against uh, Bernabe Zapata Miralesh in, in Poznań so uh, I didn't actually get to see that semi-final against Gaston but I guess that was the, the most impressive win of this campaign 
but but I mean, even if Popko is a very controversial figure, because obviously of the what he did in exhibitions last year, because of all the matches that you know people have been calling out for likely being fixed, uh, he's. It, it, it's uh, it's easy to forget that he's a wonderful tennis player actually and uh, you know against Pellegrino I guess after two or three games it never really felt like there was any chance that Popko was losing this like he he's just such a wall from the baseline that that Pellegrino had no idea of of how to break through and like you know a dr- drop shotting was I guess an idea but you can't really do that often enough for it to be a a, a much winning tactic and but well, that's all it's watching i mean <laughs> yeah much and tried against kokinakis i guess but yeah um yeah no, i mean i mean pellegrino i did obviously i don't think anybody saw this coming for pellegrino he was on a 12 match losing streak coming into this tournament uh and he broke it against Igor Seisling in the first round but he took out chego montero in the second round after he went on this uh little monologue about how you feel that nobody can beat montero in this field last week. So he was beaten by uh, somebody who had just ended the 12 matches in streaks. So uh, pretty pretty funny there uh, that he beat Ferreira Silva and got a retirement from Andre Martin in the semifinals uh, to reach the final there. Pellegrino, such a such a weird player, uh, just having this, this massive run in, I think it was Rome, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then just doing literally nothing, <laughs> reaching this final here. Uh, pretty funny. Uh, anything else that we have from, from Lisbon? Um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, Pellegrino actually also lost to Sizeling in that in that 12-match lose streak. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it was straights as well. Uh, like the I don't know the matches that you watched from this from this losing streak. Did you like think Pellegrino was playing this poorly? Like I remember watching like two or three of these, and I I, I always felt like he was really close. So uh, I I just don't understand how he how he gets on that. But it makes sense because he's one of the players who has a very big difference between being in form and you know being out of form. I guess I will also uh, I will also say a, a word against about Daniel Michalski who who is the second round as a as a qualifier. It was actually his first challenger win this year, probably his first since Bergamo 2020, so February. Uh, I guess a very big step for him. Although I I, I was sort of disappointed with how uh, with how easy the match was for Dominguez in the in the second round, but I guess we can just you know, say that that Daniel was tired. I was definitely extremely shocked that Michalski even had a chance against Taro Daniel, honestly, and especially the way he choked the the second set away from five two. I can't remember right now, but uh, well, he was basically four match points up in the in the second set, and then. Uh, had a huge rant after the second set about how his coach doesn't come to his training sessions <laughs> and about <laughs> oh god yeah and about how that his is coach... not the, not the place and time to bring that up I think but <laughs> yeah he, he also said that uh, his coach was telling him for two weeks to push every ball and then suddenly started telling him to uh, hit everything with full speed like. Yeah, it was it was such a huge rant, and he yeah he he is a player that re, that's 
when he gets frustrated, he talks a lot during his matches. Obviously, in, in Lisbon, no one probably understood him, but he it was audible on the stream. Uh, and then he suddenly came out for the third set and played, like, for the first five games, he, he probably played the, the best tennis of his life. He was actually aggressive, which is a big issue for him because he doesn't really have the weapons to, to make it, uh, you know, to, to, to consistently make runs on the, on the Challenger Tour. But I, I was extremely shocked at how he played in that third set, especially. A uh, huge win for him. I, uh, I wonder where he's going to take it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I was certainly very surprised. I, I, I was I was wondering what you were going to say about him. Um, yeah, I wasn't expecting. I didn't know that, that he was that much of a ranter. Uh, but yeah, it's, 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 it's always it's, it's so interesting to see because like so many of these player coach relationships are, are often so they, they seem so dysfunctional or toxic, but they somehow work where like, you know, the coach and the player pretty much hate each other. Uh, but if if you get the result, then the, I guess you're just gonna stick with it and <laughs> not, not change it. Um, uh, yeah, let's let's go to Murcia. Let's I, I save the best for last, uh, really, with uh, <laughs> second seed Talon Griespor, uh defeating the top seed Roberto Carvajal Baena three six seven five six three. Grispor was my pick. Carvajal Baena was your pick. Um, seventh challenger title for Greek sport, fourth of the year. He's now number seven in the challenger race with this title. Um, he, he actually bumped out uh, Brooksby out of the top eight. So uh, that was that was that was interesting to see. Um, but yeah, it was a great uh, run from him there. Beat Sanchez Izquierdo, Richard uh, uh, Zekic, who we actually also had that. Weird phenomenon where he, uh, I, I think, won the first set six love, dropped the second set love six, and then won the third, and he beat uh, Koboli in the semifinals. What, so, what did you think of Greek sport, Carbais, Baena, Murcia in general? Yeah, the, the, the six, zero six six zero was extremely weird. I, I, I didn't see it live, but I did go back to watch it, and Greek sport had like, I mean. 10 is a very low estimation for how many unforced errors he made from the forehand in that set. He won, he won six points, I believe, in the, in the second against the Zekic. And like the forehand just completely broke down. I obviously had people you know, suggest to me that this was a fix. I don't know, not even going to comment on that. I have no idea. Who knows? But anyhow, he really lived and died by the forehand this, this week. Uh, in, in the opening set again in, in the final against Carbaez Baena I just feel like he was you know, the Spaniard did really well to avoid that and you know, it, it obviously hurt me a bit because that was my chance to tie the competition and Carbaez Baena had three uh, consecutive points to secure a second set tiebreak and then lost it but I mean uh, I, I would be lying if I said Talon wasn't a better player in the final uh, definitely once he was able to impose himself from the second set onwards, uh, once again with the forehand, which was really a, a shot that, that got him throughout the week, uh, that, got, uh, that got him you know, the, the title. Uh, once he was able to impose himself, he was definitely the better player. And uh, I, I even said, I remember even saying last week that I didn't really like going for Carbaez Baena because... Well, he's a player that doesn't really have an option to hinder his opponent. 
like he, he's sort of very reliant on what the opponent does and you know he just blasted through his opponents the, the whole week he lost 13 games i believe on the on the way to the finals let me count it yeah it's 13 13 games on the way to the finals but once talon actually got you know started playing incredibly well he just had nothing to do like that that that's always been the issue for the guy and it's i guess it's nothing it's nothing he can fix at this point but i mean that's why i don't really like picking advice by now but obviously you know this week i was i was okay with that because he went to the finals but yeah <laughs> uh yeah i also to highlight uh flavio Caboli, who made the semi-finals here beat Villa Martinez, uh, Brancaccio, and I, I didn't watch the match, but it seemed very uh, interesting, 7-6 in the third there, and Nicola Kuhn, and he breaks the top 250 now, so um, yet another Italian player in the top 250, there's just tons of them. Uh, anything else from Murcia? No, I guess we can go to uh, match of the week and upset of the week. Uh, maybe what's your upset of the week? My episode of the week, um, I was looking at it. I, I don't think that I could have picked anything else. I went Andrea Pellegrino over Diego Monteiro in the second round, six three seven six. It was it was a shock. Like I mean, obviously he already broke the losing streak in Cycling, but beating Cycling on on clay, I'm I'm not like um, super impressed by. It, to be fair, I'm, I'm not like oh okay he's back. But this win, I was I was absolutely shocked that <laughs> he beat Montero there. Uh, what was yours? Yeah, that was also the pick for the bookies. I guess I cannot really disagree. Although Eduardo Stefano Bato over Varias was was quite, yeah, that, that quite was... big as well. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did not want to talk about that one as I picked Varias. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, then I'm not gonna dwell on it as well. But yeah, Pellegrino. Like normally it wouldn't be big, but because of the aspect that he came into this event on a 12 match losing streak. The, and even as you said, I mean Igor Sizling on, on, on clay at this point is not exactly a, a threat at challenger level. So so yeah, it didn't really feel like Pellegrino was suddenly going to you know have a deep run, reach the finals, but he did. And yeah. Uh, and that was definitely that was by far the pick for the bookies. Like Estevan Lobato Varias was one of the one of the ones that uh, that came in second. Yeah. Mm, uh, yeah. yeah and, mm -hmm, what's your match of the week? Yeah. Yes, uh, my match of the week is the Murcia final. Greeks put over Carbaez Baena. Uh, I, I I just had to pick it. I, I was I was so incredibly involved watching this match. Uh, I was. To be honest, kind of hopeless because as as the second set was nearing to the end, Carabaez Bena looked the better player. Uh, he, he had a break point at, at five all before uh, Griegsport held it. Uh, I, th I think he went like four, he, I th yeah, he, he went forty love up uh, on his own serve when he was five six down uh, in the second set. So, but yeah, Griegsport got the second set, got the match. I was very very excited, very happy. Um, so yeah, that was the match of the week for me. <laughs> Yeah, it felt really close to that tie break. Like I, I felt like, yeah, okay, then let's go the tie break, and <laughs> yeah, and then Talon won five points in a row, uh, and I also picked the Murcia final, frankly. So even though it wasn't a good result for me prediction wise, uh, that was a, a very dramatic and in general just just a high quality match. That's 
I don't deservedly won, uh, even though at some point I was like, yes, we're tying the predictions. Yeah, and we're not. Well, I guess there's still a lot of time, like at least seven, at least seven weeks where I, I believe every single one has at least three challenger events. So yeah, I hope I'm going to be able to, to make up. Uh, yeah, and we've got four events to talk about. I guess we should start with the, the biggest one, uh, as we usually do, or... Uh, yes, uh, let's go to uh, Muiron Le Captif, where the top seed is Benjamin Bonzi. Uh, he's, he's, got a, he's got a kind of interesting section here. Uh, six seed Piero Gerber, uh, who opens against Kylian Jacquet. I should, mention, I should mention Bonzi opens against the qualifier. Potentially in the second round for Bonzi, he's got Kamil Michael who also opens against the qualifier. We also have Ben Elmans, who, who had a good run. Um, and yeah, so so interesting first quarter here. Second quarter, we have a, a bunch of names here. We have third seed Petar Gorovchik facing off against Orleans finalist Denis Novak. That's certainly a first round to watch on indoor hard. Should be very exciting as a match. We have Luka Pui playing Elias Um, Then we have Orleans champion Andre Laxen, also in the same section, uh, plays Tobias Kamke. And then finally, we have eight seed Norbert Gombosch. He plays Roman Safilin. So a very, very interesting and tough section there. Um, third section, we have four seed Andreas Seppi playing Fernando Verdasco, who, fun fact, leads the head-to-head -head eight to two uh, over Seppi. Quite, <laughs> quite brutal. Uh, their first match dating back all the way to 2003 uh, in Milan on carpet, so, or, or so Verzultina tells me. Um, yeah, I, I'd be surprised if that's going this one. Well, we'll see. Uh, the winner faces uh, Tomasz Machac or Borna Goyo. Other seen in the section is Rich, uh, Richardos Berankis, who opens against the qualifier and then plays Quentin Alice or Gregor Barrer, which should also be an interesting match there. Um, and then the fourth section, we have Virgi Vesely, the second seed, plays Federico Ferreira Silva, which quite quite a nice first round there, actually, on an on, on a indoor hard. Uh, and then plays either Antoine Huang or Harold Mayo. Uh, then we have fifth seed Gilles Simon opens against Mats Moraing. Uh, and we have wildcard Arthur Phils against the qualifier. Just quickly look at the qualifying. We have both Zielinski and Walkov still in the still in the qualifying. They're, they're going to play the, the final round. Zielinski beat Aiden McHugh, actually, and Walkov beat Drzewiecki. Do I see this right? Yes. Yep. Uh, but yeah, as for, for some guys, I, I think the only really impact player in there is Zizou Bergs, uh, who, who plays Jelinski, although he didn't make much of an impact last week, but we'll see. Uh, Kenny Deshepper uh, is, is here. He's, he, wait, oh, okay, I thought he was older. He's only 34, but I remember him being one of the first players that I saw live in like Bratislava 2012. So it was nice to see his name once again <laughs> in this draw. Yes, what do you make of Muiron Lake of Thieves? Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the separate results were pretty decent this, this year on the IKF tour. So, yeah, also glad he, he's there. I'm also not really expecting anyone from the qualities to make a huge impact, mostly because of how how off Zizu works has been recently. Uh, yeah, the, the as you mentioned, the two Polish doubles players made it to the final round. Uh, we shall see if anyone advances. I, I guess they have some sort of a chance. Yeah, one Polish doubles specialist had to be there because yeah, Valkov played yeah. played Zelensky. 
but as for the as for the main draw, it certainly looks like the top half is is a bit more stacked. So you know, usually that says to us like we should pick someone from the bottom. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, the the section with Moraing or Vesely is very interesting. Like one of them could could really you know, could reach the finals there. Like Moraing has been so good, so good recently. Uh, but I did decide to go for Petr Gojovček. Maybe mm. I should go for Bonzi because, um, as I said, I mean, going for Bonzi this year. If we went for Benjamin Bonzi in every single event, then like the one, the one of us that that went for him sh- would be winning the competition. That, that, yes. that, that was just how it worked. So uh, yeah, I, I I'm certainly rooting for Bonzi to break the record of most titles in a single season. Uh, he's also fairly close to the record of match wins in a single season, but I believe he's not probably not going to play more challengers after that, or even if probably just one. So probably not going to break it. But I did go for Petr Kojovczyk because of how well he played recently at the, at the US Open in Mets. Uh, he's a player that, I mean, when I, when I think, if you told me to, came, to come up with a player that uh excels in indoor hard conditions it's very possible that Goyovchik would have been my first pick honestly like everything about his game is literally suited for this so yeah um yeah I mean Goyovchik very good pick uh I feel like the issue with it is that half of the guys in his section would have been a good pick yeah uh, I'm afraid I mean I I, I, I give Go Bush a little thought uh, as, as I often do on, on indoor hard um I was very close to picking Vesely there. I, I really like his section, but I'm going for Benjamin Bonzi. Uh, I, I feel like I'd be I'd be a bit foolish not to pick him. He's he's you know lost last week, but like come on, the the guy has been by far the best challenger tour player this year. And I feel like it'd be a bit silly of me not to pick him. I also wanted to mention doubles. There's three buys for some reason, just nobody wants to play doubles from this field uh, for some reason. I'm not really sure why. I guess, you know, injuries start to pile up towards the end of the year. They just try to make their singles results. But either way, very unusual. I think that in, in a Challenger 90 in, in Europe that you'd have three buys in a, in a doubles draw. Um, so that's interesting. All right, should we move on to Santiago is what I have next? Sure. Uh, Santiago, wow. What a section right off the top. We have Juan Manuel Serundolo, who's hopefully back fit uh, to make this more interesting. Plays Nicolas Kiker in the first round. Uh, that's that's pretty wild. In his section, also Sebastian Baez as the fifth seed, um, who faces Dalibor Svarcina. Um, yeah, the, the other guys in the section, uh, I, I, I guess there's Facundo Mena, but the other guys, Sitsu Berbi, uh, Nick Chapel, Diego Fernandez, Fernandez Flores, I don't really think of as impact players that much. Um, next section, we have Hugo Dalien, Lima champion, opens against Lucas Catarina and potentially has a second round rematch against Camilo Hugo Carabe, who opens against the qualifier. Um, the other seed in the section is sixth seed, uh, Marcelo Tomas Barrios Vera, opens against the qualifier as well and faces either Nicolas Jari or Juan Pablo Fikovic. Next section, we have 13 Juan Pablo Barrias playing Enan Casanova. Uh, he then faces either Victor Nunez or Julian Lenz. In the section also we have, oh, this is interesting, we have Juan Ignacio Londero 
playing Thiago Agustin Tirante. So, so that should be a, a quite interesting first round there. And then the winner of that faces either Gerald Meltzer or Guido Andreozzi. And the final section, we have second seat, Francisco Serundolo, we actually didn't speak about <laughs> in, in the review because he, he lost, first round he lost, right? First yep. or second. To Puccino yeah. Lidl Almeida, and he can play him again. Yeah, and he can actually play him again in the second round if he beats Pedro Sakamoto. In the first, he also has uh, Felipe Melgeni Rodriguez Alves, uh, who's the eighth seed, playing Gonzalo Lama. And there's, you know, Goncalo Oliveira also in this section with the protected ranking. Um, what, where, when does he have this protected ranking from? Because I feel like he's been playing all year. That's true. I mean, Oliveira is one of the players who plays like 40 weeks a year. So, I... <laughs> yeah, well, where does he have this from? What? I don't see. I mean, there, there were some players like, but that would be off by now because there were some players who uh, like said they were set, obviously like brought evidence that they were injured before the pandemics and then they yeah, have protected I mean, rankings. So maybe that famously Marketa Vondroshova did it. Yeah. Olympics. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, we for her. Uh, but yeah, she, she was she was a bit of a villain in that yeah, situation. Like, uh, yeah, but I mean, it wasn't really wrong of her but i also i don't uh, i mean I, i'm not saying it's wrong but i i like like, like over the past 12 months I've uh-huh. put more. okay anyway uh, yeah <laughs> yes. but I, i'm looking at Oliveira's results from 2020 and he didn't even have a half half a year break like he yeah he had five months yeah before <laughs> was... the pandemic he he stopped playing in yeah he was playing at an itf when the pandemic hit and then he played in prague the the first challenger that there was he lost to Favrinka so it was five months and a bit and then this year he certainly hasn't had a six month break so I have no idea how he has that protected ranking what yeah, the, the hell 2019 he doesn't have a break like that either that I can see no he played all year uh, so this is really odd um, I'm not sure <laughs> not sure where he got it from like <laughs> This is, yeah, it's it's there. It's not uh, for a second. I thought it might be like a resulting a glitch or something, but no, no, it's no. I I checked it in the PDF. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so this is really weird. We'll we'll try to find out for you for next week, uh, but, but yeah, I've, I've, I don't know where out of thin air, Goncalo Oliveira has a protected ranking from because the guy literally never stops playing. Anyway, yeah. um, what are your thoughts on this draw? Um, who are you picking? Yeah, and in, in, in the qualities, I guess we have like Alexis Gauthier, who's been kind of mm-hmm. excellent in the past weeks, although I did say that I felt like this was a bit of, you know, a bit due to the weaker fields, but we shall see. Uh, Diaz Acosta could get on the run. He's one of the Argentinian guys that we think could, could break through uh, sort of soon. Also, Oliver Crawford, who's been excellent on the on the ITF tour this this year, and it's kind of a an interesting choice for him to 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 be here even to 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 go to Santiago. But yeah, yeah, as, as him for it. yeah, yeah. As I as I said, I mean, there's gonna be a challenger event in South America every single week, so you you can literally go there and just keep playing, and that's that's a very good idea, I guess. Uh, looking at the draw, I mean, there are so many potential winner picks that uh, it, it's really hard. So I guess I'm going to go for a pick that I like, and I'm going to go for Tiago Tirante. Let's go. 
uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, this this is a very tough draw for him, I imagine. Like, even though Londero hasn't been uh, hasn't been doing that well, then then you have Meltzer or Andreozzi, then you possibly have Varias in the quarters, who he actually beats to win his first time challenger title in Ambato, but uh, altitude clay, I guess, uh, you know, or altitude clay is just a different world to to what we see here. Uh, I was thinking of a lot of guys, even of Delian, to to go back to back. Serendola, obviously, I kind of discarded because of uh, because of the injury that he picked up. Maybe he's going to be fine, but still, it's a super tough draw with Kicker and then possibly Mena. Uh, I was definitely looking at Sebastian Baez as well. Uh, but Tiranta is just someone I well, I don't know if I can say that, but I don't know. I really like his potential, and I I. I I definitely enjoy it when he uh, when he goes deep. I also recorded on, on like Thursday. I recorded a a podcast with Alex on 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 challenger players to watch like in the in the last month or or so of the season, and we talked about Tiranta a lot. So he's 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 dear to my heart at the moment. So <laughs> I'm gonna pick Tiranta. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's 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 a good pick. I think. Um... Uh, as you said, it is a pretty tough draw, but I'm going to go another direction. I'm going for fifth seed Sebastian Baez, who you mentioned there. Um, he's he's you know uh, this is his first um, South American clay event of of this swing. Uh, hasn't played in in almost a, a month since since losing the Kia final. Um, but I mean, looking at his results from earlier in the year, he he did very well in Ch in Chile. He won two challengers there. Um, so I don't see a reason why why he wouldn't do it again. I mean, two challengers with, with well, as I look at who he beat, there are a lot of similar names to who's in the draw now. So uh, I'd I'd love to see Bias win this one. Yep, I I think six of the ten players that that he beat on the, in these runs are, are in this draw, right? Yeah, uh, Barrios, Varias, Hugo Carabelli, Serundolo, Martin, uh, no, not Martin, uh, Dalian and Lama. Yeah, Martin is going to be in South America soon, but for now he went to Europe for whatever reason. Uh, yeah, <laughs> do we go to Barcelona or Naples? Uh, let's go, let's go Barcelona. That's what I sure. have here on the list. Top seed, Hugo Gaston plays Andrea Colarini, uh, then potentially uh, qualifier or Pablo Yamas Ruiz. We have, a, we have an interesting little section here. The usual edge because the eighth seed opens against the qualifier. And then we have Filip Horansky, who had a, a, a run to the Bucharest final where, where he lost to Lehechka. So he, he can have a rematch in the second round if he beats Maximilian Materev. Uh, next section, we have Benabez Patamiraes playing Javier Barranco Cosano. Should actually be a pretty interesting match. Um, the winner faces. Adrian Andreu or Alexander uh, Muller. Then we have Mark Polmans uh, as a sixty plays against the qualifier. Then Popko or Lamassine. Next section we have four seed Damir Jumhur plays Pedro Kachin, who I, I actually haven't seen Kachin in a in a bit. He hasn't played since Poznan, uh, so so that's been since July, uh, where he got he he, he didn't actually. Uh, retire from the match he withdrew from well. something this week or was it this one okay. was it this event I, I i don't know i remember seeing a tweet that he withdrawn uh that he has withdrawn but uh where, where is he in the draw let me see because 
there, there is a lucky loser. Ah, you're, the... you're, you're, you're right. Yeah, he, he has withdrawn. I missed yeah. that. I, I just saw a tweet that he, that Kachin withdrawn from something. Yeah. Yes. So scratch that. No Kachin this week either. <laughs> uh, but we do have Tomiro Bredo. Uh, who hasn't won a match since February, <laughs> but, but here he comes. Uh, he's he's on a one, two, three, four, five, six match losing streak, uh, and he's playing Dimitar Kuzmanov. But you know, Robredo, he's he's really old. He's thirty nine, so I guess we should enjoy when when, when we watch him uh, while he's still around. Uh, Seven seed Sedig uh, Masovstebe plays Nuno Borges. Uh, and then we have Timuras Gabashili plays Nicolas Sanchez Izquierdo. Um, and the final section, second seed, Alex Molchan, nice draw, opens against Alejandro Morocanas. Uh, then has Manuel Kinat or Timofey Skatov. In the section, there's fifth seed, Nikola Milojevic playing against the qualifier. Uh, and then plays Peja Kerskin or uh, Nikola Kuhn. So what do you make of this draw here in Barcelona? Yeah, uh, as for the qualities, we had Daniel Jimeno Traver making his second appearance this year, which is actually kind of interesting because, you know, back when he played uh, Ayrash, was it? Uh, yeah, Ayrash against Gulbis this year, he oh, he was there with Pedro Martinez. And this time Pedro Martinez is not even playing Barcelona, but I guess he can still catch him in, Inter- in Indian Wells. Uh, I have no idea if he actually travels with him like internationally. Uh, he's coaching, uh, coaching Martinez right now. So yeah, but he lost to Alexi Krutik six to six zero. Which uh, just by the looks of it, I didn't have t- time to watch it. But just by the looks of it, is actually a very unfair scoreline towards Jimeno yeah. uh, Traver because the the six to set was you know, just full of close games, and even the six zero one was like twenty nine to fourteen in points. I think. Oh so, wow! You know, he wasn't. He wasn't that bad, but I mean, he's obviously not going to be, uh, you know, not, not going to be coming back for real, at least for now. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And when it comes to picking the winner from this draw, like Zapata Mirales, kind, I, I kind of don't like because of the yeah, sort of tough draw, I imagine. I, I'm mostly looking at the top two seeds, honestly, although Nicola Kuhn is, is someone I would be tempted to pick, probably. But well, uh, it's uh, I, I don't really know if he's gonna keep that level. Like the the, the level he had in Szczecin would be good enough to win most of challenger events, honestly. But mm-hmm. but in in Sibiu Sibiu was it? And uh, no, yeah. not Sibiu, not Sibiu, Wait, Murcia. No. Uh, in Murcia last week, uh, I I guess that that was you know sort of a more accurate the the depiction of how he. How he'll uh, how he's gonna go right now, which is still obviously a huge improvement over over how he was playing in 2020 or 2021 until stretching. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm really doubting myself on Gaston and Molchan because uh, Molchan was okay this week and and had a decent match against Kokinakis, but but he really could have been could have been playing a, a lot better. But maybe I don't know. Gaston is just at this point where. He still doesn't have a challenger title, which you know it really shouldn't be like that. Like he, he should have one at this point. And uh that's why I'm tempted to pick him, but I guess the top half is is sort of stronger. I'm gonna go for Alex Molchan then. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I, I was having a similar dilemma. I just wanted to quickly mention Molchan and Horansky playing doubles together, uh, which is kind of unusual. I mean, uh, Horansky doesn't really play doubles that much. Uh, so that's going to be interesting to see how they do there. Um, yeah, I, I, I also sort of got stuck between Molchan and Gaston. Gaston, because I rate, I, I, I rate Gaston uh, over Molchan. I, I feel like he's the better player. Uh, at the moment, but Mochan does have the easier draw, I think, uh, in his little section. Um, but yeah, I'm going Hugo Gaston since you went Mochan. So, um, oh, okay, yeah, that's cool. Maybe we get another player. final between the top two seeds, like in Murcia. <laughs> it would be nice and... for sure. Uh, yes, and finally, to close it out, Napoli top seed Stefano Travaglia plays Ergi Kerkin. Uh, then, pretty tough second round, it's either Flavio Caboli or Jesper De Jong. Uh, also, uh, a seed in the section is Alessandro Gianessi playing Matteo Arnaldi, and Franco Agamenone plays Andrea Vavasori, who actually doesn't have to qualify this time. He's he's straight into the the main draw of this one. Um, next section we have four seed and Murcia winner Talon Griegsport plays a, against the qualifier. Then Alexander Richard or Jonas Foretek. In his section, uh, also seven seed Gianmarco Moroni plays Milian Jekic, uh, and Filippo Baldi plays Giulio Zepieri. Third section, we have 13 inning hand fun plays uh, Luca Nardi, uh, and then the winner faces Jacopo Berrettini or Andrea Pellegrino. Uh, and then we have fifth seed Zaykolaj plays Nioset Darusic, and two qualifiers playing each other in that section. And to close it out, second seed, Andre Martin plays a qualifier, and then Duya Idukovic or Evan Furness. I would, I would love to see Idukovic Martin, to be honest. I, I think that would be a pretty interesting match to watch. Um, and then eighth seed, Lorenzo Giustino plays Ricardo Bonadio, and Jeffrey Blancano plays Mirza Basic. We also have Petro Tsitsipas, uh, still in the qualifying. Um, yeah, any, any, any thoughts on this draw here? Yep, uh, I do coverage Martin is also a match I would love to see. So, yeah, rooting for that. Uh, yeah, bo- both Petros Tsitsipas and Vlad Viktor Cornea uh, still still in this qualifying draw, which I guess is, uh, is sort of surprising. Like Cornea is playing Oklepo, so probably he's not going to advance. But Petros Tsitsipas, I mean, Bogdan Apostol is, is certainly winnable. That doesn't mean that I'm in, in any way excited for. You know, Petros Tsitsipas making a run in the main draw, but uh, I mean, yeah, it, it, at least he finally got a win or something. Uh, so I'm looking at this draw, obviously not not really looking at Andre Martin because you know he's he, he's he's really had a tough time this year, uh, <laughs> and Yanni Helfman seems like a very natural pick to me, uh, having watched his. Uh, famous kick serve uh, in Szczecin this year. Uh, I was certainly very impressed with that. I don't think it's an easy draw. Like Nardi is a very talented prospect. Then then Pellegrino possibly, then Kolasz, for example, or Sendarusic even, who's been, uh, who's been excellent in recent months as well. So I, I, I don't know if that's, uh, you know, it's not a draw that I like this much, but uh, just Huntsman has been, sort of play play playing quite well but not really making it on the on the ATP tour I guess this year obviously you know he had one run in like Bostad or like I can't, I can't remember 
uh, there's just I don't know. Anyhow, <laughs> Hanfman seems like a very natural pick to me here. Although there could be a lot of different things here, like you could Travalia back to back. Maybe obviously, maybe I, I would avoid, but oh, there's also a chance of going Greek, Greek sport back to back, which actually seems quite okay to me because the the draw is way better than than what Hanfman has. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to Hanfman. I uh, yeah, bo- it it was Bosch that that uh, that, that semi that I mentioned. Uh, I, I was just very impressed with what he showed in, in Szczecin and he hasn't played since then. So, uh, Yeah, uh, before I get into my pick, we have a, we have a very interesting uh, double situation where uh, we continue to have Dustin Brown uh, establish himself as a challenger double specialist uh, at this point and hasn't played single since Stuttgart. Uh, but yeah, he plays with Andrea Vavasori, who they won a title to the, uh, this year. Uh, in Tulln, yes, and they play Cornea and Tsitsipas, so that should oh. be a must watch uh, <laughs> for sure. Um, and yeah, uh, Andre Martins also played doubles, but I don't think that the general public care about that that much. <laughs> anyway, um, yes, so I, 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 I mean, I was thinking about a bunch of different players here. I am going for Talon Green score back to back. I, I very much like his section. Uh, he dropped two sets. Uh, one of them was a bagel, so I guess that wasn't that exhausting for him in, <laughs> in the quarters there. Um, and then, you know, obviously the, the final against Karabaj now was tough, but he, he has a couple of rounds to sort of maybe uh, not have to go all out in and then uh, strike when it's needed with the forehand. So yeah, Talmudic Sport, that's my pick. So to recap... Um, for Moyeron Le Captif, I'm picking Benjamin Bonzi. You're picking Peter Goyovchik. For Santiago, I'm picking Sebastian Baez. You're picking Thiago Agustin Tirante. For Barcelona, I'm picking Gaston. You're picking Molchan. And for Napoli, I'm picking Greek Sport. You're picking Hanfan. So uh, there we go. Those are our picks for this week. Yeah, I love it that we didn't go for the for the same winner in, in any single uh, event. Uh, yeah, uh, I re- I respect the the Greek sport pick definitely. I I think it's a great section for him again. Uh, yeah, and as you said, like the, the, the six zero set definitely wasn't tiring in the physical sense of it. It was thirty points. So uh, I think there was a like in a main event in in Mets this week there was a set that uh, Marcos Giron won four points against Montfis. Jesus, <laughs> I didn't uh, get I didn't get to see it so. I, I I actually picked Hiro on, on the on the website to win that match. So. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. I, I don't blame you. Like that that was a very sound underdog pick to me, but yeah. No, yeah it was pretty... seven five, six zero, something like that, right? Seven five, six love. Seven, five, yeah. 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 Yeah, let's just let's just finish it that. that was yeah. Up. yeah. Remember uh, remember that our we just really bad at predictions whether it's main tour challengers or itfs <laughs> we suck at it so <laughs> we're gonna be back in in a week to review the review the predictions the peaks and also just recap the weeks at uh willy romana captif uh barcelona naples and santiago uh, so see you then and thanks for listening bye Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hope all of you enjoyed another ATP Challenger-centric episode from host Damien Kust and Jakob Bobro. A huge thank you to them, as always, for recording this show. I say it every week. I mean it every week. You're not going to find two people who follow the Challenger Tour more closely than them, so we always appreciate their contributions to our Cracked Rackets team. Of course, as I mentioned at the top, Damien and I named our most interesting Challenger players to watch at the end of last week. And by the way, up until Thursday, all we've got on the calendar is ATP Challenger action, so look for recap content on our mini-break podcast feed day in, day out. We'll be talking about the ITA All-American this week as well. I've got Amy Lundy, David Kane coming on the show uh, over the next couple of days to help preview Indian Wells. We'll have Ace of the Day segments throughout that Masters event, so of course, plenty of fun content planned here for the next couple of months. The season's home stretch here at Crack Rackets. Of course, if you missed any of it, you can find it on the website, crackrackets.com. Like, rate, subscribe, review to this show, the mini break show, our Cracked Interviews podcast, and of course, our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. If you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at Crack Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Great Shot Pod. A shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, for the f- of an editing job they do day in, day out out with that said for host Damien Kust and Jakob Bobro for our super producers Max Fligner and Daniel Westhoff and from all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network I am your host Alex Gruskin you know what we say hey great shot and we'll see you all tomorrow thanks everyone When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline.